Welcome back to Random Trek, the podcast where I, your host, Scott McNulty, watch a random episode of Star Trek with a non-random guest. My guest on this episode is the ever-lovely Glenn Fleischman. Glenn, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. So tell, tell the people, if, if, they don't, if they're unaware of you, how might they know you? Well, I'm a, a full-time employee of Twitter, but they don't pay me. <laughs> uh, I spend most of my time tweeting. And uh, the rest of it, I edit a publication called simply The Magazine, and I am on. A, I have a podcast I host about doing uh, sort of making your own career, doing internet-y things, and making stuff that you like called The New Disruptors. I write for MacWorld, I write for The Economist, and it's most of what I do right now. You're a busy man. I have a lot of things on my plate. That's good. <laughs> so let's talk about. Nobody cares about that. Let's talk That's about Star Trek. <laughs> yes, that's right. Your your plate is irrelevant. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your interest in Star Trek. Well, I was trying to remember in preparation for this when I first saw it, because I was born in 1968. So, uh, and then I don't, when they started rerunning, did they start rerunning the original series in the 75 or something? There was some point in which they started rerunning it on, like, I can't remember where it was because I know I saw it as a kid and I know I saw all of it and was surprised there wasn't that much of it when I was young, because when I was a kid, every show they did, you know, 36 episodes a season, there'd be like 10 seasons. So when they reran MASH, there were 400 episodes just about. And it was this great show. I was like, it's science fiction and it's weird. And everybody, all the older geeks I knew seemed to all know about it. And it was this cult thing and people traded, you know, videotapes if they could tape it off a broadcast. But there were only, you know, it seemed like a handful of episodes compared to newer shows. So having uh, not that knowledge of Star Trek, if you had to pick one series as your favorite, which would you pick? Next Generation, by far. Um, there are episodes here and there in the original series and, uh, and Voyager, which we'll be talking about. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few. There's some, there are concepts they explored in Voyager that I thought really were, and sometimes just a small concept that were taken to a full episode almost, that I thought, well, this is interesting. They would actually take something that's very science fiction and very interesting and very revealing and spend a lot of time looking into it, like the idea of memory or artificial life, like the doctor, the hologram doctor. Mm -hmm. um, so there are a lot of concepts I liked in Voyager. I don't think it was as well executed a show, though. It was very uneven, and some of the scripts were ridiculous. Um, in Enterprise, I liked bits and pieces of that, too. I felt like it never gelled enough, unfortunately. Um, but Next Generation, I think it just has – there are so many episodes. I feel like I could list off two dozen without even you know looking at – uh, the uh, what is it called? The uh, the uh, uh, memory alpha. Can't even remember the name. If you can't remember the name of memory alpha, we are here to talk about an episode of Voyager yet again. Uh, the episode in question is called Collective from season six, the sixteenth episode of Voyager. And for a random trek first, the first time we'll be talking about the Borg, which is always a an exciting subgenre of Star Trek episodes. Uh, the Borg-centric episodes, although, as Glenn and I were talking uh, before we started recording, this is an odd Borg episode, and probably not a great example of a typical Borg episode, because these Borg are not your normal Borg. I don't know if anyone ever has ever said <laughs> Borg that many times in, in one minute, but that's a lot, a lot of Borg. So let's just jump in to this episode <laughs> so I can say Borg a couple more times. One thing about the Borg, like, so I'm a hard sci-fi fan. I've always liked sci-fi mm -hmm. that had 
that that uh, extrapolated from current conditions instead of it, you know, developing entirely. Uh, there's stuff that's interesting that develops entirely new ideas that are disconnected from our current reality. And some of that's hard to read. There's soft sci-fi, but I've always liked the thing where you take something and extrapolate it into something that's totally reasonable. And the Borg have. I've always liked the fact that they're creepy as hell and totally plausible as an idea. Like that's always creeped me out that it is a potential. I mean, I don't know if it's a real potential reality for our future or whatever, but there's something so genuine and horrifying about it. It's the zombie thing. It's the it's zombies in cyborg form. Zombies with wearable technology. Yeah, zombie, that's it's, so it's like San Francisco. Exactly. They've got their Google glasses. Uh, they're they're Samsung watches, and they're happy. So I like yeah, the Borg are always. The problem with Star Trek is that they come up with these cool enemies, uh, and then they just kind of pound them to death and use them <laughs> over and over and over again. I feel like the Borg, the first, certainly the first time they were introduced, it was terrifying, and then they sprinkled the Borg a little bit through and kept up the. You know the the terror, and then uh, first contact was a great use of Borg, uh, and then I felt like they just kept going back to that Borg well. Uh, they they tapped the Klingon well, so they're like, okay, let's go to the Borg <laughs> for a while, see what happens, uh, and then they moved on to some other things in Voyager, uh, and then Enterprise had a whole raft of wacky things that they went to, but uh, but I like the Borg. That being said, I've always liked their uh, geometric spaceships. Because really, it doesn't matter if you're if it's a spaceship. Who cares what shape it is? Uh, so why not a giant cube or sphere? It's like the Pompidou Center in Paris. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I always... We can make the conduits on the outside of the building. We have a, we have force fields. We don't need to make any. We don't need anything pretty. No, I think that was lovely from the very you know that it's a little bit of the cyberpunk thing. But the very first time you see a Borg a cube, it is different from anything ever seen. I think in practically any science fiction visualization before, and that's profound. Maybe in some art that was done for you know sci-fi novels, but you've never seen anything like that. So, and it's so it's instantly it makes it very easy for them to bring it back. Oh, it's the Borg. You don't have to guess. It's mm-hmm. not like what's that ship configuration? Like that's the Borg. I guess yeah, the Borg, and they are terrifying. The Borg. The Borg. The Borg. So let, let's talk about this episode, and it starts off with uh, a familiar scene for some uh, Star Trek episodes. We see some uh, crew playing poker on the Delta Flyer. We've got Commander Chakotay, Ensign, Tom Paris, and Harry Kim, and Neelix. So we've got four characters, three of whom I find incredibly annoying, (laughs) uh, playing poker. Uh, Hint, I like Chakotay. Uh, (laughs) So they're playing poker, bonding, uh, and suddenly... Tom Paris sees outside of uh, the portal uh, a Borg cube, and uh, things are going to happen. Red alert is sounded. They scramble. Uh, My question is, why is Neelix there? He is not a Federation officer. He shouldn't be on Delta Flyer, but... There's there some is. continuity, isn't there? Like, he started to try to be, by the later seasons, he wanted to be more of a full crew member and started to participate more. And they were shorthanded because uh, everybody on the Voyager crew is a red shirt. Anyone can be killed at any moment for any reason, sometimes resurrected, as we've seen in other episodes. Uh, it's very confusing. You could lose your lungs and then get them replaced. Well, that is true, with holographic <laughs> lungs, right? <laughs> the Delta Quadrant is a, mysteri- is, a, is a mysterious place where crazy things can happen. It's a uh, so. Mystery. 
I, you know, the captain's got to make use of everybody. And I think there was that bit is that even in his suit of many colors, he was still, uh, you know, trying to be, I think, more of a crew member. So I think this was part of it is he was with the mission to do. That's do we even know what they were doing? Do we know no, why they, they never, were flying? They never explain why they were flying around in the Delta oh, Flyer outside of Voyager. Oh, it's illegal to play cards for money on the Voyagers. They have to go <laughs> That's out right. in space. So it's like yeah. uh, they have to go out into uh, interstellar <laughs> waters where Federation exactly. law doesn't happen. So they can. Uh, it's a little. Uh, they've turned the Delta Flyer into a casino. <laughs> it's like a riverboat. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but sadly, it goes horribly awry when the Borg cube appears. They all freak out, uh, and then the credits roll. Uh, first act: the Delta Flyer is gonna get the heck out of there because when you see a Borg cube sneak up on you, what do you do? You run away, <laughs> especially when you're in a tiny ship like the Delta Flyer. Uh, but you, you, the first thing you notice uh, that is amiss is that they don't. The Borg cube doesn't immediately destroy the Delta Flyer <laughs> because the Delta Flyer is tiny. The Borg cube is huge, and by any stretch of the imagination, it should be immediately either destroyed or assimilated. But that does not happen. Uh, they they uh, flee and dodge and actually knock out some uh, of the they with a well-placed phaser or photon torpedo they knock out the Borg cube's entire propulsion system which I found hard to believe uh, but they did that they have this problem everything in the Borg cube is distributed except their major systems so <laughs> they're you, all concentrated it's, it's right all on the outside because it doesn't matter where you put them so we'll just put the propulsion on corner on, on interstices one and uh, vertex one uh, it is a little funny it is a little funny how easy it seems to be to knock out systems there's also the, that ongoing thing happens later, which is the rotate frequencies. It's like, couldn't you just program the computer because you're talking to the Borg? It just, just rotates press a button the and it just will automatically. It's just part of your, you know, the the firmware upgrade didn't take to the Delta Flyer. <laughs> they have like and a macro. When when Borg cube detected, <laughs> then uh, modulate shield frequencies. But they don't. They have to do that. Uh, Manually, because it's they more... They can get a service call. That's later. It's another episode <laughs> well, they're in, the Delta Qua- they're in the Delta Quadrant. They can't get the updates from Starfleet. Right. So. Sir, I'll need you to reboot the Delta Flyer. <laughs> That's right. And when it comes up, tell me what it says on the screen. <laughs> Hold down shift. And... and then it will rotate all the frequencies you need. Sir, I will have to call my manager. You're too <laughs> impolite. I know you're in trouble. So the Delta Flyer can't warp away because it's been damaged. So they send good old Harry Kim, who is possibly... Uh, in my notes for this episode, I wrote down, Harry Kim is the worst, like, four times in four <laughs> different places. He's the Wesley Crusher of the series, isn't he? <laughs> he, he is. So he goes off and he attempts to f- to fix the plasma injectors uh, while the, the battle is happening. Uh, you figure, this is not going to go well. It doesn't go well. The Borg latch on to the Delta Flyer with a tractor beam. We hear that creepy, distinctive Borg voice come over and say, we are the Borg. Your biological and technological distinctiveness will be added to our own. Resistance is, I think they say, futile, not futile. So it depends on the Borg. Some some pronounce it one way, some pronounce it the other way. Uh, And then they are sucked into the cube, and Neelix, it fades to black, assuming everyone is knocked out somehow. And then we, we are treated to uh, Neelix wandering the halls, and he sees Chakotay being, having been assimilated, but then he wakes up because that was just a dream. And uh, Chakotay, Paris, and Neelix are in some sort of assimilation chamber. On yeah, the dream thing was odd. It's like, it's already horrifying enough, and they had to <laughs> give us a faint 
that inside Neelix's head that something happened. And I'm like, well, isn't the bit of the partially assimilated alien that comes next that's got like <laughs> things jabbed into it slightly more horrifying than Neelix having a bad dream? I didn't quite understand the uh, script choice there. And the bad dream lasts for two seconds, maybe? That's right. <laughs> it's not even uh, very suspenseful. A little terrifying. It is, it is. I guess they just had some extra Borg makeup or something, so they slapped it on Chakotay. <laughs> and uh, so let's shoot a scene. Oh, Come that's on, true. It could, be a, it could be a longer scene that we only saw a few moments of. It tur- <laughs> let's make it a dream. It doesn't work. Uh, that part didn't work. Let's make it a dream. Yeah, cut it out. <laughs> um, and so they're there, and uh, Tom Paris goes from cool and collected to totally freaking out in like three seconds. <laughs> He's like, they're going to turn us into drones after they discover this failed. Scott, I'm raising my hand. I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, Given that the Borg uh, incorporates its people's memories and can access any information that anybody had during their life, Mm -hmm. uh, why has Star Trek, or I'm sorry, why has the Federation not imposed a mandatory uh, suicide mechanism (laughs) when you were assimilated by the Borg, you know, cyanide capsule, or you'd think, or memory erasing drug, or or something. I I know that's sort of hard-nosed, but I, I was watching it thinking... If they were about to take all of your knowledge, wouldn't this be the time, the not time, afterwards, when you had no escape? But anyway. Well, that's because unlike you, Glenn, the Federation values human life. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it's, so, a it's, a, it's, a, it's a foreshadowing. For the episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it, it, that's a good question. You would think that after several high-ranking officials had been assimilated and then rescued, that they would have some kind of protocol. If you're captured by the Borg, you should do something. Uh they don't, they don't really do anything, <laughs> except right, yeah. Tom Paris freaks out. <laughs> Chicote tells him, calm down, we'll try to break out. We're Starfleet officers, damn it. He doesn't say that, but it's un- understood. Uh, Tom Paris is mostly freaking out because on the table is a botched assimilation attempt, uh, which is kind of creepy. Also, it's like they jab per- binder clips into it. It's, <laughs> it's very true. sad. Sad job there. And, and it's perplexing because uh, the Borg assimilate people by injecting nanobots into them. Uh, and, you know, in every other episode, the Borg have assimilated people rapidly, and they don't generally need to uh, put you on a table and add things to you. Uh, but <laughs> that's more uh, Cybermen from uh, that's right. Doctor Who universe. Oh, there's uh, been a leakage between oh, universes no. again. Uh, but they say, I suppose there's a reason, and we can, well, when we, we discover the secret of this Borg cube, perhaps it will make sense. Uh, so Voyager immediately, seemingly immediately, figures out the Delta Flyer is missing. And they're on the trail, uh, the Ion Trail, to be specific. Uh, they, they trace it uh, to the last known position of the Delta Flyer, but the Delta Flyer is nowhere to be found. But what is to be found? The Borg Cube, that uh, propulsion unit has been destroyed, so it's just hanging there in space. Uh, at Seven of Nine is perplexed as to what's happening, because she says the propulsion system isn't that heavily damaged, it should have been repaired, and they should have been gone. Uh, Janeway, being no-nonsense, says, good for us, because we never would have captured them, or, or caught up with them, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, says, red alert, and they go into red alert. Uh, but, of course, the Borg start attacking Voyager uh, in a scattershot uh Methodology: First, they attack the warp core, then they attack uh, like the sensors or something, and then they attack something else. A little and lackadaisical, this attack sequence. It's true. It is true. And then uh, Captain Janeway says, well, target their weapon systems and destroy it. And uh, Tuvok says, done. 
off camera. Yep. We never see it. They just destroy <laughs> the weapon systems. systems have been destroyed, Captain. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? What? Tuvok is an excellent shot. Well, Bolana, in fact, says, this is way too easy. We shouldn't have been able to disable uh, a Borg cube off camera <laughs> in two <laughs> seconds. It should be more dramatic. People should be flying across the set. What's happening? Uh, they detect that the away team is on the Borg cube, and so uh, they get hailed, as always, by the uh, Borg, who, you know, repeat, resistance is futile, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Janeway says, give me back my away team. The Borg say, nope, we're taking you over. Uh, actually, she doesn't say that, but she says, uh, you're not going to do anything to us. Seven of Nine says, Captain, I think I, I figured out why this cube is uh, so poorly managed. It should have thousands of drones, but in fact, it has five drones on it. I kind of love that. That's pretty good. It was, it was good. a good scene. Um, yeah. And, you know, you give, give these five drones a little bit of credit. That's a giant ship to be piloting all by themselves. So, all things considered, they're doing a pretty good job. I think there'd be a lot of... I never actually quite understood the difference in the Borg ship. Like, the drones, I thought, were sort of the attack force. But there's a lot of manual operation on a highly automated ship like that. There seems to be a lot of, uh, a lot of things that the Borg... That they have to do. And I thought, shouldn't there be robotic things that do those things but apparently not apparently that's not how they're organized well you know the borg have like many the drones they have a lot of, so they just throw drone power at it my father's mansion has many drones that's right Old spiritual that i sung as a child uh, but it's no it's true it's that manpower thing you're kind of like they it's like an old sailing ship practically just made of horrible Simulation technology. That is, that's, I think that's how they pitched the Borg originally. <laughs> Just think of it, folks. They're like sailors, old-time sailors, only they assimilate people. It's the ship of the damned. That's right. Cyborgs. <laughs> actually, it is. You know, actually, as we say that, I realize that is kind of what that, it is. That's true. It's the Probably ship of the damned that is cyborgs. In a cube. Uh, and so Janeway says, aha, now I know what's going on. So she basically says... Uh, give me back my crew members or I'll blow up your ship. Uh, the Borg, not so happy about that, say, well, if you give us your navigational deflector, we'll give you back your away team. Uh, and this is another point at which you think something odd is going on because the Borg do not generally negotiate. They generally have two things that they do. They either ignore you or they assimilate you uh, and not really engage in chit-chat. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually one of the things I like about the Borg is like something's going to happen. A bunch of them beam on board and they inject you with nanoprobes or they teleport you over to their ship and they inject you with nanoprobes. There's not a lot of messing around of like hand-to-hand -hand engagement all the no. time. There's bits and that. It's like, okay, we've seen one. Ah, now it's this whole other kind of plot thing going on. She says, okay, I'll give you the navigational deflector, but I need to know my crew is safe. And instead of just saying, okay, here's a, a video link, here's your crew – they're holding uh, up the boot copy of Borg Daily. That's to right. Show that it's Notice the date. Uh, they say, uh, uh, Jane, they say, okay, you can send someone over, just one person. So obviously, Seven of Nine beams over to the Borg Cube. I just think that her whole thing is like she's dressed in a cat suit. Like I realized, right. so I've watched it in a while. And I'm like, it's like it's a form-fitting cat suit. And one bit she turns, and I realize you can see her panty line in one it, scene. There is, like, uh, yeah, 
later in the show. It's and I'm like, so she's wearing that. Formative. And yet she actually pulls off this amazing gravitas. Like she is not – she's, she's presented partly as a sex object but she – because she's a gorgeous woman. She but, is um, quite attractive. But she, yes, is, she her absolutely. character knows what she's doing. She is no nonsense. Yeah, she great. doesn't take any crap from anybody. Yeah, uh, she's, which, she is her own – she has her own agency and she is so – in charge of that, that the sexual objectification of her actually sort of <laughs> dissolves because you see her as this powerful woman full of agency. You don't see her as someone your gaze is supposed to fall on and and uh, ogle. That's right. She would reject that. She would say punch her in the face. Exactly. Like, All right. <laughs> Uh, so she beams over. The collective voice says, hey, go to this junction. As she's walking, she notices a bunch of drones have fallen to the floor, uh, dead. Uh, she goes to the the spot she was told to go to and there's a little awfully not cute borg baby hovering <laughs> in a some kind of cylinder of uh borg embryonic fluid uh this is possibly the creepiest thing i've ever seen on star trek yes. it was just a horrible horrible <laughs> special effect like a cross between uh, gremlin and chucky uh, with some Borg stuck on it. It was some. It was sort of. It was baby-like. Like it was a fairly realistic fake baby, but it was. It was somewhere between the uncanny valley and to, <laughs> beyond. The it, Borg it, baby of the uncanny valley. Exactly. It was not quite right. Uh, and then she turns around, and she finds out. Oh no! The uh, the drones that are the five drones she detected, in fact, are children, <laughs> including uh, including two twins. We're not allowed to speak in this episode, so they don't have to pay them scale. <laughs> That's right. A little girl uh, and two uh, kind of adolescent dudes uh, who are running this whole operation. They aren't fully baked, and Seven of Nine is not impressed. <laughs> she Openly says, "Openly contemptuous." That's true. She's like, "Where are the adults?" Uh, and they are like, "Well, they're all dead." <laughs> and they're <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, it is. It is strange. Uh, they ask her, what you, what's your name? Seven says, I'm Seven of Nine. They say, that's a Borg designation. She says, yeah, I used to be a Borg. Uh, now tell me what, what's going on. Where are the, uh, she says, give me the leader. Uh, and, uh, the oldest one, who isn't actually the leader, he is second. Uh, mm-hmm. first is, uh, the, is actually the one who came out of the, I guess the neonatal unit second but he's taken over because he is more headstrong so he's in charge of their collective he's first they're second and and so on uh, for the rest of them which is interesting because that's not usually what borg call themselves they usually are x of x because they're collective so there is no first second or third yeah they're part of their part of the units and you notice that the that first is covered with more gear than anybody else he is more completely more fully baked yes and uh, so Seven of Nine is absorbing all of this, and she says, all right, take me to where your hostages are. So she takes them there. She visits with Chakotay and Tom Paris and Neelix and checks in, and they seem excited. Uh, she notices the botched assimilation and <laughs> tells them that they messed it up. Uh, and the kids are like, well, we were practicing, uh, trying to perfect our playing, method. Playing doctor. That's right. And she said, well, you did do it right. Uh, and, and then she's, she's pretty contemptuous. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be was written as strategy or she's just contemptuous. I think she's it. just contemptuous of these children. So apparently, uh, uh, Ensign Kim has made such an impression on uh, uh, Seven of Nine that Chakotay has to kind of remind her <laughs> that he should be with him, but they, he isn't. 
Oh, wait, actually, she says, okay, well, we need to, uh, you know, I need to go back to Voyager and report back, but you are going to not get the uh, deflector array, uh, and I need to take a body, a corpse with me, back to the uh, vessel so that uh, we can study it. I also need this office chair, this stapler. <laughs> she just starts taking stuff, and, and I wrote down... I wrote down that these uh, young Borg are awful negotiators because <laughs> they give in immediately. They're like, okay, sure, take whatever you want. We'll wait here. Come back, maybe. <laughs> You're going to pay for the undercoating? <laughs> right. protection? Oh, tell me more about the extended warranty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so she goes back to Voyager, uh, and Captain Janeway and Tuvok meet her in uh, uh, sick bay so that we find out that the doctor has been examining this corpse. He finds out that there's a, a pathogen that attacks cybernetic beings that killed all of the drones, and these young drones were safe because they were hermetically sealed in their little birthing pods, uh, to which Tuvok says, well, let's just use this as a biological agent, kill the five Borg, and rescue everybody. Uh, the doctor is horrified. Janeway is intrigued and tells <laughs> the doctor to, you know, gin up some uh, pathogen that they can... Uh, use possibly as a as a last ditch effort. Uh, Hadn't but, they learned anything from the phage earlier, <laughs> early in the run of the show? Apparently well, not. It, apparently not. The doctor is uh, totally against this plan, but nobody cares. I just love the, the I love Tuvok's uh, respect for all life. The Vulcans, the Vulcans' respect <laughs> for the dignity and sanctity of life. Well, like, let's just kill them all. And so they they uh, had gin up a plan to use uh, a, the Borg cube relay or something to get to talk to Kim because he is stuck in the Delta flyer. He regains consciousness and his little comm badge is beeping. So he goes and says, hey, let's use the same frequency. Uh, he tells the computer, use the same frequency to talk to Voyager. And the computer says, that'll take a little bit of time. And so... He's uh, once he hides out of the Delta Flyer, uh, doing fascinating telecommunications yes. work. I'm sure. Do some PHP code in there. Maybe it's Python. It I'm could sure, be. He's got to do some debugging. <laughs> or it could be written in Swift. Sorry. Well, that's true. And then so then Janeway says, "Okay, I got to go over and see these hostages and Borg people myself for some reason." It makes sense, I guess. I, I don't know. Did not understand why the fundamental. She's the cow. What the? I don't know. And then they let him out. There wasn't any. There wasn't any discussion. She just goes over. She's there. like, "Hey, dudes, I'm here. I know yeah. earlier you said only one person, but hey, but I'm just coming. I'm coming over." And the f first is like, "Give us your deflector for your hostages," and Janeway says. I'm not going to do that, but here's my counteroffer. Uh, join us on Voyager, and we will take off. We'll take out your implants. You won't be Borg anymore. You could talk about the dual sun setting on your home world. It'll be great. Uh, you don't it, understand me, lady. You right. don't understand me at all. First does not take kindly to this and slams Janeway against a wall and threatens to assimilate her. Uh, he, she is uh, cool as a cucumber and says, "Sure, you can assimilate me, but what, how's that going to help you?" It isn't going to help you. Uh, but why don't... There is another option. Seven of Nine is an expert on Borg technology. She can repair your giant ship all by herself, apparently. apparently so. <laughs> I also, yeah, I like the, I also like the, uh, like, don't come back, Captain. I'm like, well, why would she come back? I don't even know why she came there in the first place. <laughs> it, well, she is inexplicably there anyway. <laughs> they have communication. She could have just talked to them from the That's ship, right. and they, they could have cut her off angrily. It's you know? true. There was no reason for her to 
beam over there, but she did. And then she what? leaves. They're going to use the set. They built the set. They're going to use That's the set. Right. Damn it. We're going to get our star there. We built four sets on the board ship for this show. <laughs> and we're using all of them. Yes. So first says, okay, fine. Seven of nine can attempt to fix stuff, but she has two hours. And then you're giving us the deflectors or uh, bad things will happen. So Jamie says, okay. And she leaves. Uh, and... Uh, as, as you said, he says, don't come back. And she's like, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, and she goes to the bridge, and she says, we have two hours. Ask Tuvok about the pathogen. Uh, Tuvok says, it'll be ready by there. By we'll then, take one hour and 58 minutes, Captain, to complete. Right. Uh, Bolana says, I can't believe we're negotiating with uh, prepubescent drones. <laughs> uh, and then there's this little aside about how teenagers, uh, oh, teenagers, all species, they're irrational. Those kids. It's kind of like an. It was kind of like the movie Rock and Roll High School was really. <laughs> Many things right. brings like back the... to Rock and Roll High School. <laughs> Gabba Gabba. Hey. <laughs> hey. And then they, thankfully, they established communication with the real hero of this episode, the worst Star Trek character ever, Harry Kim. Let's <laughs> uh, and... sidebar. Counselor, I'd like to sidebar with you for a moment. Why do you have such contempt for Harry Kim? I, he's just such an annoying character. He doesn't do anything. He is. I don't know. I don't. I don't like him at all. He's kind of. He's kind of a. He's the. Yeah. He doesn't really have any skills. He's except... like the everyman, I suppose. Maybe yeah. you're supposed to feel like he would be you if you were on Voyager. Maybe I he, don't has know. No, he has no characteristics. I think is the problem. Like, he's just there. He's just that guy. He's that guy, guy yeah. who's who's stuck on the Delta flyer and. Uh, the captain says, uh, how do you feel like going for a walk? Uh, so apparently he is 800 meters from the uh, Borg Cube's internal shield generator. And they have equipped the Delta Flyer with uh, some kind of explosive devices. So he's going <laughs> to... But I, was, thought it was, I thought it was the, uh, so Harry, I need you to attempt a, pretend, probably a suicide mission. Not entirely clear. Are you upset? He's like, good. I'm, I'm good. I'll just go yep. off and do that thing. Probably might die, but whatever. Tell me where to go. That's not yep. really all that. There are five Borg on this cube. It's what are the true. chances he's going to run into them? It's a giant, giant spaceship. <laughs> but we'll come to that later. So he says, okay. <laughs> and Tuvok is going to guide him there by uh, audio signal. So Tuvok is like his GPS, his Vulcan GPS. Turn around when possible. That's right. Uh, she, we'll uh, see to the next power junction. That's right. Uh, Seven of Nine is rapidly uh, attempting to fix things. She has a second, comes up and talks to her, uh, brings her some data or technology she needs. Second fixes, uh, Seven of Nine fixes Second's uh, ill-modulated vocal box uh, which he first told him could not be fixed. <gasps> oh no, sowing the seeds of doubt. Seven asks him, hey, do you remember anything about your life before being a drone? And he says, absolutely not. Uh, and then immediately after she fixes his voice, she says, oh, he says, oh, my mom had hair just like you. Uh, and he I, says, tell me about the rabbits, George. <laughs> and then first comes in, he's very angry. And he says, what if I told you about uh, irrelevant conversations? Not to have them is what he told them to do. <laughs> um, that's that's the rule. Uh, and uh, further establishing that first is perhaps not as stable as he might think. Um, and then once again, Seven leaves and gives Janeway a brief about what she has found in the cube's communication. Basically, yeah, she seems to be able to kind of come and go from the ship as she chooses. Without <laughs> it, like she's back. How did she get back? They're just like, yeah, you go off and then you come back. And these, I'm telling you, these 
kids are the worst at uh, being uh, negotiators. No attention span. It's really no. a problem. But it, it, you would think that given all of this, they could sneak more people onto the Borg queue without much trouble. But uh, apparently they don't think of doing that. Since there are only five of them, they could probably overwhelm them. Uh, and so she says, hey, uh, the kids think that they, they have lost contact with the collective. Uh, but actually, right before their uh, communications dish was destroyed, uh, the Borg collective got their message and decided that this cube was irrelevant and they are not going to come and rescue them. And in fact, they don't care about them because they have this, this weird pathogen on the ship. So the collective says no thank you to the cube. These kids are hoping to return back to the collective that will probably destroy them if they come close anyway. Uh, but they don't know that because for some reason they can't decrypt this message, but Seven of Nine has no problem decrypting it. I, know, I like that. They don't yeah. have access to the, they, you know, you'll get your keys. It's the thing is as you, when you, you know, mature as a drone, they give you the, all the keys and they, they show you how to use the <laughs> encryption algorithms. But before then, no. they don't trust you with it. That's right. You're too, un, you're too unstable. Uh, and so Janeway's like, oh, we can use this by uh, crushing their dreams and then having them join our crew. <laughs> Excellent, Seven. Uh, and then Seven goes back to the cube because she needs her frequent flyer miles, apparently. Uh, no, but there's the poignant scene in which she explains that that uh, that despite having been torn from her family, that the maturation period uh-huh. uh, calmed and soothed her. That's true. And it gave her the order, sort of like a meditation class conducted in amniotic fluid for several years That's while right. your memory has been taken from you. It and sounds your really neural, neural pathways are rewritten and sort a great like sense a, of order. Sort of like a cult. Kind of. The cult well, of Borg. Borg is actually a cult. It's actually all voluntary. <laughs> Nobody talks about that. Oh, that's right. That's you're, We're breaking the Borg secret wide open. Exactly. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> well, you're already tuned in if you're hearing this. But anyway, <laughs> keep, keep tuning in. Yes, tune closer. Tune more of it. Get your radios and tune them to something. I don't know what. So we go back to the cube. Harry Kim walking down the corridor, being very nervous and deciding it's a great idea. To mark his path by sticking playing cards to the wall? Let me leave obvious traces of my existence. Yeah, it was very strange. And uh, he, he, I mean, uh, granted, uh, it would be creepy to be walking around a nearly deserted Borg cube, uh, but uh, I just don't like Harry Kim, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then he, uh, we switch to Seven of Nine, she's working, first accuses her of, uh, you know, taking her sweet time. She says, look at you look at my work. I'm not. I'm taking as much time as I need. He says the data's flawed. She says, I think your understanding of the data is flawed. Uh, and he is very. He says, I'm not out of order. You're, you're out of order. <laughs> That's right. All of you are out of order. Uh, and he uh, basically tells him she that he is no good at ruling this collective or running the collective uh, in front of all his little Borg dronets. Uh, and he is very sad. And then she takes this opportunity to say, hey, why don't you come back to Voyager? And we can uh, take your implants out. It'll be great. First rejects this out of hand and says, you're wasting your 38 minutes that are left. Uh, But suddenly, oh no, the Borg baby's little pod is malfunctioning. So they need to save it. Uh, But they can't because the other piece of equipment that could save the Borg baby is also malfunctioning. Uh, so they randomly beam it to sickbay on Voyager. That's right, without alerting anybody. Without telling anybody. Luckily, uh, 
the doctor was activated. So. He, was, he was not in the middle of a hologram opera, the five hour long <laughs> opera performance. That's right. So he happened to be in sick bay at the moment it came over. So he comes over. Uh, but we get to that. But before we talk about that, we go back to Ensign Kim, who's found the shield generator, is putting the explosive in. Uh, he thinks he hears something. He looks, he doesn't see anything. Then he looks back again. Oh no! A little Borg girl is there who has collected all of his cards. Uh, and says, this one looks like Seven of Nine. Uh, and then he tries to kill her. <laughs> um, but she says, oh, your weapon's not going to work because of this dampening field. Uh, and then he is uh, breaks out in a sweat, <laughs> basically. Then she, she says, red rum, red rum. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, and then we go back to Voyager, where uh, Janeway and Tuvok are going down to sickbay for some reason. Uh, actually, no, they're not. They're just they're walking called, randomly they? around, and the doctor says, Janeway, come to sickbay. So she does, and she's like, why they, are you bringing me here? They have, they've got the Fitbits. They've got to keep the, the steps up on the <laughs> Fitbits, right. so the computer orders them to the holodeck for exercise. And the reason the doctor brought her there is to show her this little Borg baby that was beamed over, and basically to use it to convince her not to use the pathogen. So he's like, oh, you need to hold this baby because it's so cute. Uh, oh, and by the way, that pathogen that will kill this baby and all those little kids is ready, but you wouldn't want to use that, right? I'm just going to wave it over the baby. <laughs> just right. wave it over the baby. Uh, but sadly, the doctor's ploy does not work. Captain January says, great. I'm glad you've synthesized some more of the pathogen. I'm totally going to use it and kill all those children, maybe. Let's figure out a way to deliver it. Let's just That's right. uh, throw it at it. We'll, <laughs> we'll just beam it over, because clearly they don't we care if we beam, beam over. anything over. Any number. I got rid of the garbage That's from right. me. You know, we, we don't have to put that in space. We just send out the cube. And uh, she says, take this stupid baby. I'm going to the bridge with the pathogen. Um, and then, uh, oh, no. Harry Kim has been caught. He uh, first confronts Seven of Nine with the plasma charge and says, "Do you know what this is?" She says, "Yes, it's a plasma charge." Uh, and he says, "Well, you, we have been we have been uh, bamboozled. You are attempting to attack us, uh, but luckily for us, we have assimilated uh, Ensign Kim. So he's going to die unless uh, you do something about it. But we're not going to let you do anything about it because you need to fix our ship. And my point here is." Why can they assimilate Harry Kim so easily, but they totally botched that other alien guy? Doesn't well, they could, he's sense. got weird stuff coming out of his cheek, and I think they know that they're now they're just doing it for now they're just, <laughs> they're just they're just show bad. We're gonna we know he's gonna die. We're just gonna inject him with stuff. Oh well, that's true. And so they first says, "Give us your freaking deflector." He hails Janeway and says, give us your deflector. Janeway says, no, we're not going to do it. He says, okay, I'm going to use this giant tractor beam and rip it off. Voyager, uh, Janeway would prefer he doesn't do that, but <laughs> <laughs> he is not going to be fooled anymore. He's sick and tired of it. Uh, he attempts to rip the thing off. Janeway, uh, Tuvok is basically like itching to uh, trans beam over the uh, pathogen and kill these people. Janeway's like, no, there's another solution. So she comes up with a big, long string of techno babble that basically sends feedback through the tractor beam to uh, overload the Borg cube's shield somehow so that they could then beam everybody over and everybody would be happy. Uh, and so they do that. They beam over 
Wow, what the Paris, Paris, Chicote, Chicote, and Neelix. And Neelix. I've, I've actually completely forgotten they're on the ship at this point because we haven't seen them in, I believe, at this point, thirty minutes. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> they're yeah. just they're they're just chilling with the dead bo- dead kid guy. <laughs> they're, who knows uh, what they're doing? They're trying to uh, break out or something. They they're like Harry. You took the cards. We were trying to play a game while you're gone. <laughs> you just now, threw oh, them all Jesus. over the place. Oh man. Uh, and uh, the feedback loop is causing havoc on the Borg cube. Uh, first is electrocuted and dies, I guess. He gets depolarized. Uh, he know. does. He dies. Uh, that leads the rest of the children to think, hmm, maybe we shouldn't uh, be a collective anymore. And we should go over with Seven of Nine. Uh, because first was kind of a jerk. Uh and so they uh, basically say, okay, as Seven of Nine is like, turn off the shields. So they turn off the shields. They beam over to Voyager. Uh, they never say it, but Harry Kim isn't dead. So they assume that they fix him. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> uh, they take all of the Borg implants off the kids. And uh, now the kids are living on Voyager. And uh, I guess they just leave the Borg cube floating there. I was kind of uh, thinking they'd want to blow that up or something, but apparently not. No, nope, the, they just they just leave it just there. Just leave it there. It'll be a warning to the other Borg. That's right. Let this be a warning Ship to you. Borg. <laughs> Ship of Borg. Ship of Borg. And uh, that's basically the end of it. Uh, and then there's a nice scene with Seven of Nine uh, asking, well, what are we going to do with these kids to Janeway? Janeway says, well, I guess we'll return them to their planets if we can figure out where they are. Uh, and like, say, I don't even know where those guys come from. That's These right. People. Who knows? But then Seven of Nine has a complete dossier about their past that she gives each of them, uh, which seems odd. And uh, then she tells them they have to regenerate because it's nighttime and they need their sleep or their regeneration. Uh, and they join Seven of Nine in her regeneration cube, uh, regeneration stall, I guess, on uh, the cargo bay and... Voyager has added a couple of new characters now because these kids show up later. So the question is, what did you think of it as an episode of Star Trek? Uh, sort of terrible. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> I was the, I was so surprised. This episode has so many things that should make it exciting, an exciting hour of television, and yet it is so boring. <laughs> I was bored with this episode. Yes, this seems like uh, extremely underwritten. So, I mean, there's that notion of like uh, some of the best episodes, even in the Voyager series. There's, I mean, you know, which had some of the episodes were quite underwritten. You have, you know, you can have an A story, a B, a C, D, E. I mean, there's some episodes of of uh, any of these shows uh, that have so much going on that interrelates, mm-hmm. and there was essentially one very dull, very slow story <laughs> that had improbable and absurd elements in it. Yes. Yeah, so this this episode, I say uh, thumbs down. Well, thank you so much, Glenn, for joining me. I am. It was a great uh, pleasure. I apologize that the random <laughs> episode you had to watch was terrible, but uh, at least you got to see a Borg baby. And the really, hand, the hand of fate is unkind, and yet the circle of time and the, the wheel of fortune <laughs> it spins. It will come back to me. It will, and I and I will be ready. Maybe you'll get a really good uh, a classic episode uh, from one of these series. That's right. Or another crappy, or maybe a crappy <laughs> Enterprise uh, episode to, to mix things up. All the seasons, the odds are about one in two, I'm afraid, <laughs> that I'll get a crappy episode. Maybe one in three. Yeah, there's a lot of crappy Star Trek. That's true. All right, well, that's the end. I don't have any sign-off, so... <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Thank you for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Next on Random Trek, The Next Generation's Timescape.